Well, guys, happy Mother's Day to you. Uh, if you are a mother, if you um, have given birth before, or if you are a woman, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your influence. Thank you for everything that you have done. Well, there are five things that moms find fun. Number one, seeing a friend without kids at their feet. Another thing moms find fun, sleeping in. Another thing they find fun is grocery shopping alone, and then taking a bath alone, and then nap time or bedtime. How, how many of us wish we could go back in time and give our moms more credit on the following? Giving birth to you or giving you a life if you were adopted. Waking up in the middle of the night to feed, burp, change, and put you back to sleep. How about teaching you how to walk, talk, ride your bike? How about when she held you or held your hand at the doctor's office when you were getting your shot? And maybe if your wife was still in the room. How about that she always made sure that you had something to eat, that there was food on the table, that each birthday and holiday was special, that she washed and she folded your laundry, that she packed your lunch, took off work when you were sick, got you ready for your first date, and just in case it went bad, it went south, she was ready for an excuse to get you out of there. How about when she dried your tears after your first breakup? She dropped you off at college. She cried at your wedding. And she's there to call when your kids are on the verge of anarchy. But moms, I want to ask you a couple questions now. Have you ever second-guessed your purpose when things are like Groundhog Day? When your day and then the next day, and then the next day seems to be like Groundhog Day. Have you ever questioned or guessed, second-guessed your purpose? Have you ever thought about a change because you're unimpressed with your life? Have you been frustrated when your kids or your husband go through the day without even asking you how your day was? Or they don't thank you for the things that you've done? Have you found it hard to spend time with God, to find time to pray, or even attend small group? Without a doubt, guys, it's tough being a mom. And we're going to look at a story today how Jesus met a mom on probably the worst day of her life. And he gave her meaning. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump into Luke's written biography of Jesus. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all wrote these biographies of Jesus. And Luke wasn't a follower of Jesus. So when he was, um, when Jesus was doing his, you know, um, town-to-town preaching, Luke wasn't a follower of Jesus then. He was a follower after the resurrection. So this is what's so fascinating about this. He's interviewing different guys. He's, he might be interviewing Peter and John and Matthew and saying, guys, what, what's going on here? And, and they begin to tell him these stories. Perhaps Peter and John filled him in. Like, Luke, you have to write this story. This story was incredible. And there's going to be three takeaways that we're going to pull from this story. So let's jump into Luke 7. Soon after, this is what Luke writes, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nan, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. So most likely what was happening, maybe the disciples uh, leaned in and said, hey, what's going on? And they explained the situation to them as they were you know, guests to the town. 
But this is a tragic scene. Regardless of how the son died, this was extremely tragic for a couple reasons. One, she was already a widow, which meant that she lost her husband. And in that custom, the kids would actually take care of the parents. They would bring the parents in. So this was a big deal. She's already kind of getting in this new rhythm, and now she has lost her son. So not only has she gone through the rhythm of losing her husband and the grief process there, but now she is now grieving the loss of her son. So now all the thing that is left is the community, the village to take her and to help support her. And even though the Jewish community was really good at this, they were better than the Greek and Roman uh, um, communities, being a widow, even being a Jewish widow, was a hard life, and being a widow without family was even harder. Now, here's what's so interesting. In that culture, people would stop what they're doing. They're fixing the wheel, they're making a sword, they're making dinner. They would stop, and they would join the funeral processional. Now, here's the first takeaway. Life is predictably unpredictable. Life is predictably unpredictable. Guys, there are days that are mundane, there are days that are memorable, and there are going to be days that are tragic. When there are days that are mundane, right, it it seems like no matter what you do or how you do it, it feels like you are on a hamster wheel. You're busy, but you're not productive. You're moving, but you're not getting anywhere. Those days, right, these days are boring days. These are the days that you're saying the same thing, man. Get your finger out of your nose and out of your mouth. Uh, You're, you're, Get dressed. We have to go. Or time to take your nap. These are also the days that you have the same conversation. It feels like you're saying the same thing over and over. Deciding, hey, what's for dinner? What do we have scheduled this week? What are we watching? And these are the days when you're doing the same thing. You're unloading and loading the dishwasher. You're doing laundry you're packing lunches, you're making dinner, you're keeping the kids from eating Play-Doh. There's so much you're doing. And it just seems so frustrating because when you pull out your phone and you're on Facebook and Instagram and you begin to scroll what your friends are doing, right? They're on vacation. They're flipping a school bus. Their six-year-old is graduating high school while yours is still picking their nose. And it's just like, what in the world is going on? And you just feel like you're not getting anywhere. Maybe maybe you feel like you don't have it all together. Maybe you feel insufficient or ineffective. I love what um, Jenny and I, we have a friend named Gloria Furman. And her and her husband, Dave, uh, we attended church together when we were in seminary. And we planted Dave out to plant a church in Dubai. Uh, him and Gloria are there with their kids planting and, and, and man, they're just doing a great job over there. Well, she's written a couple books to encourage women. And I love what she writes. She says this, for many of us homemakers, our greatest fear is being found incompetent, insufficient, and ineffective. We prefer to look like we've got it all together. We give lift service to the idea that nobody's perfect, but we would rather die trying to prove that we're the exception to the role. Now she continues. She says, God can use the ordinary moments in your life to glorify himself by conforming you into the image of his son. That is precisely what he intends to do. I hope that encourages you. So not only are days mundane, 
but there are days that are going to be memorable. Man, those are the moments that you plan for. Uh, you take the pictures. These are the days that you call your family and friends because uh, they took their first step, they started talking, or they scored their first goal, they scored their first touchdown, they had their first win, and you're just letting people know. These are the moments that you talk about years later with a smile or with a, with a laughter. These are the moments that, honestly, they encourage your heart and mind that you want to keep going, you want to keep waking up the next day because you're super excited about what is happening. And we have days that are mundane, we have days that are memorable, and we have days that are tragic. Guys, these are the moments you don't plan for. The hospital visit, the surgery, death. These are things we don't plan for. Guys, I remember getting a, a phone call. I was in a Bible college, and this was like uh, early, uh, this was 2000, and I believe this was 2001 or 2002. I can't remember. I think 2001. And so I'm, I'm, um, I'm ironing because I had dress pants. I don't iron my dress pants and I get this call from my mom and I never, I never received a call from my mom at this time of the day. And so she calls me and she's crying. You can tell she's overwhelmed with fear, with anxiety, with distress. And she calls me and she says, Jeff, I just need you to pray. She said, there was a school shooting and your sister was there at the time of the shooting. And it looks like the assistant principal was killed. Can you just pray? Guys, these are the moments that we don't talk about much. Thankfully, my sister was fine after I got the call later on in the morning when my mom kind of figured out what was going on. But man, it's hard to hear your mom have this anxiety and fear and distress. These are the moments that you don't want to talk about years later. These, these are the moments that deplete your energy and emotions. You don't want to get out of bed. Notice what happens next. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. See, the, the crowd saw this grieving mother they walked with her. They mourned with her. And they, helped, they were going to help bury her son. So you, you had a large group doing that. But you also in that crowd during that time, during that day, th there were people, there were philosophers. They would go up and tell the, the, the person who was burying their child or their parent. They would say this, don't grieve for it will do no good. Like that's not helpful, right? You had two groups of people. And here's the bottom line. No matter who saw her, no matter how many saw her, no one could heal her soul. Most likely there would have been those who would pay and have the ability to pay for the funeral costs, provide her meals, help around the house, or maybe take her in. Guys, those things are extremely helpful, extremely important for someone who's lost his in-laws. These actions are incredibly helpful. I mean, they are. And really what it comes down to, it comes down to connection. Like it's so good to know that someone can connect with you, that someone is there to help you through those things. I love what Brene Brown, what she writes, she, she writes this, rarely can a response make something better. What makes something better is connection. And that is so true. I mean, we had people call us and it was just amazing to know that people really did care people aren't looking for when they're going to tr through a tragic time. They're not looking for a magic response that, that you're going to fix everything for them, but, but they're looking for someone who can connect with them. 
Guys, as important as connection is, no one could heal Jenny's heart. No one could heal my heart. No one can heal our soul. But Jesus saw her, and he could do something that no one else could do. He was able to heal her soul. He was able to meet her in her grief like no one else was able to do. And the second personal takeaway is this, that Jesus sees you. He cares about how life affects you. He cares about how life affects you. And Jesus sees you every day, regardless of the kind of day, whether it's a mundane day, whether it's a memorable day, or whether it's a tragic day, he sees you. And he can heal where others cannot And from experience, man, there is a peace. When he heals you, when he begins to work in you, there is this peace that overshadows the pain from the loss. you, you, You have this peace to smile, to laugh, to tell the stories, even through tears with other people. It's the peace to get up in the morning. It's the peace to pray for those who are also hurting. You have this peace that you're able to keep moving forward. I love the word compassion because in the greek language here's what it means it means to be moved to act on behalf of to be moved to act on behalf of so have you ever been in a situation where you were moved to act on behalf of someone it's more than just watching the an spca commercial and giving money towards it it's actually taking that big step and adopting a pet it's the moment when you see someone following, follow, falling follow, in the store and you help them up. It's the moment when you see the car accident in front of you and you get out to do what's necessary to help. It's the moment when you see your child doing something dangerous and you act to stop them from hurting themselves. See, Jesus, Jesus was moved to act on the widow's behalf. See, his spirit, the Holy Spirit, sees us and prays for us when we can't even get the words out. When you're going through grief, when you're going through, the, through maybe some mourning or a tragedy, I love what happens because the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. I love this insight from Paul. We, we you and me, we are weak. And that's okay to admit. That's okay to admit. We, we, are, we are weak. And for example, he gives an example. We don't know what God wants us to pray for. Have you ever been there? We, we don't know what to pray. I've been there. It's like, what, what do I say? I feel like everything's lost. I, I, I'm just so hurt. I'm so wounded. I don't know what to say. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows our hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's will. I mean, I love that. I love the fact that He sees us and He acts on our behalf. So notice what happens next. So they're giving this story to Luke and Luke's writing down. And I just have this feeling that when he walked over the coffin and touched it, what did, what, did, what did he do again? I can just imagine. Luke was like, hold on. I don't have much parchment. You're going to have to say that again because I don't want to redo this. Like, no, seriously. He touched, he touched it. And the bearer stopped. Guys, this was scandalous because no one outside of a family member would touch 
the most likely it was a stretcher, but a casket, a coffin. Because in Jewish custom, they didn't close, they didn't do closed coffins. Instead, it was mostly on a stretcher, and bodies were washed, anointed, wrapped with cloth and spices, and taken out to the burial. If someone touched the stretcher, they were called religiously unclean. They would have to go through a purification process. It was a scandal that he touched it. And they're like, no, he touched it. Because Jesus was God in the flesh. He touched it and it became clean, not he became unclean. And he says, young man, I tell you to get up. Luke's like, you serious? Dude, Luke, it happened. We're telling you. And then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus, Luke, this was incredible. He was like, ma'am, here's your son. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Great fear swept the crowd. And they praised God, saying, a mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today. And, they, and they're telling Luke, Luke, you don't understand. The news about Jesus, it kept spreading throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. Guys, resurrection from the dead it is a, was a rare miracle. I mean, it is a miracle. And there are only a couple of resurrection miracles in the Old Testament and a couple in the New Testament. This was an unexpected special moment for this grieving mom. It is. I would say it is impossible to understand the impact of the miracle without understanding the impact of the suffering. I believe that it is impossible to understand the impact of the miracle with first, without first understanding the impact of the suffering. This was an impossible miracle because it was an impossible situation for this woman. And Jesus was able to do something that no one else was able to do. That was give life to her dead son. And this brings into context why Jesus told the widow not to cry. See, Jesus was healing her son. And it was unexpected to her and it was unexpected to the crowd. Because no one knew what was going to happen when he touched the casket, when he touched the coffin, with the stretcher. And they couldn't keep it a secret, man. They, they wanted to share this because this was an incredible moment that, they, that God allowed them to witness, witness. See, here's the deal. Jesus brings dead things to life because he is God. And this is our third takeaway. Jesus helps you in unexpected ways. Jesus helps you in unexpected ways. We're invited to trust him and his ways. In the story, the widow she's not kept from suffering. Like, that's really important. She's not kept from suffering. See, it's possible that Jesus will allow you and I to go through suffering because it is just part of this world. This world is out of rhythm with God, and God may allow you to go through suffering. See, I love what Paul David Tripp writes. Your suffering is not a sign that you've been forsaken. Rather, it's a sign that you live in a world that doesn't function the way God intended and is in need of complete renewal. Although God may allow you to go through tragic days, he may, he may not keep you from tragic days, but he's going to allow you to go through tragic days. He will be there to help you in unexpected ways because he cares deeply for you. And then we're invited 
We're invited to tell how he saw and how he cares deeply for you and for me. We're, we're, we're supposed to tell people that. Guys, just as excited as we are when we share when our child first walks, when they ride their bike, when they talk, or when they graduate, or when they score that first touchdown, man, we'd let people know there should be excitement with sharing how Jesus saw and helped us, whether in the mundane, whether in the memorable, or whether in the tragic. See, when we experience an unexpected or powerful miracle, we, we, we can't help but share it. And we share our experience and our story when something good has happened, when something life-changing has happened, when something that brings hope has happened. So, let's just lean in for a second. Whether we're changing diapers, feeding at 3 a.m., picking out clothes for the morning, loading the dishwasher for the fourth time in the day, Sometimes it is hard to see if you are making any difference, if you're making any, any difference in your kids, especially when no one thanks you, you don't feel seen, and you don't feel appreciated. Jesus sees you. Jesus is with you. And Jesus cares deeply for you. He's worth following and trusting in the mundane. Following Jesus is just as meaningful in the mundane as in the miracles. Following Jesus is just as meaningful in the mundane as in the miracles. Man, miracles are miracles for a reason. They're not normative. They're not normal. They're extraordinary, right? Miracles are not ordinary. These are not an everyday, ordinary occurrence in our lives. They are meaningful when we experience them. That is what makes a miracle a miracle. And when we do experience miracles, man, we ought, we ought to feel seen and valued. But we also need to be remembered that you are already seen, valued, and cared for because God adopted you into his family. So it's in the moments when we're in the mundane that following Jesus is meaningful because it's in the mundane that our kids learn from watching how we respond and how we react. It's in the moments when we lose our patience, when we raise our voice, when we feel like a hot mess. Now, I'm, I am quoting our, our moms, you know, in our church because that's what I've been, I've been told before. See, guys, more is caught than taught with our kids. And that's why the mundane is meaningful. To wrap it up, Allison, our group's coordinator, she sums it up this way. It's following him that makes life meaningful, not how good of a mom we are. Well, guys, may we pray? Heavenly Father, I am so incredibly thankful for the women in our church, maybe the women who are listening to this. I'm so thankful for the women in our lives. So, Father, one thing I do ask is that you will encourage the women, that you will help them to, that they would, they would see you at work in their life in the mundane days, in the memorable days, and in the tragic days. They will recognize that you see them, that you're with them. God, the days they're not able to get their prayer out, remind them the Holy Spirit is getting it out. Father, I ask right now that you will encourage and inspire our women, our moms. 
Thank you for them. And Lord, remind them they are leaving a legacy. Give them the help that they need. And Father, for the rest of us, help us to be supportive of them. In Jesus' name, amen.